When God gives a prophecy, it's a done deal. Here's Pastor James. I think that oftentimes we look at the promises of God and we look at the prophetic utterances that come from the Bible and we view them as something that's going to happen in the future. And I guess in, the, in terms of the time-space continuum, Yes, it's going to happen in the future, but the reality of it is the moment God declared it is the moment it actually happened, right? The moment God declared it is the moment that it actually took place. Understand the wisdom in that statement. God said it. You might as well say it's done right now, even though you haven't seen it actually manifest. That's the significance of what we're looking at in the book of Joshua. I have That peace only comes from you. I have found that joy only comes from you. Cause all I need is As we continue our series in the volume of the book, today on Light on the Hill, we realize that the more we know about the whole Bible, the easier it will be to understand Bible prophecy. That's why we're taking a big picture approach to the study of God's Word right now, emphasizing prophecy as we do. Pastor James Cadiz is in Joshua today. One of the beautiful takeaways from this book is that God will be with us at all times, so there's no need to fear. Understand the declaration that God gives in chapter 6. He starts in verse 2. He says, and the Lord said unto Joshua, see, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor, and you shall come past the city and you men of war and go round about uh, the city once, thus shalt thou do six days. By the way, do you notice what God said? God did not say, I'm going to give you Jericho. He didn't say that. He said, you have it. He said, I'm giving it to you, not I'm going to give it to you. He says, you have it. I have given it to you. That's what he's saying. I think that oftentimes we look at the promises of God and we look at the prophetic utterances that come from the Bible and we view them as something that's going to happen in the future. And I guess in, the, in terms of the time-space continuum, yes, it's going to happen in the future, but the reality of it is the moment God declared it is the moment it actually happened, right? The moment God declared it is the moment that it actually took place understand the wisdom in that statement. God said it. You might as well say it's done right now, even though you haven't seen it actually manifest. That's the significance of what we're looking at in the book of Joshua. So look what he continues to say. So he gives them this. He says, and you shall come past the city, all you men of war, and go round about uh, to the city once. Thus you shall do this six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall come past the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets. Verse 5, and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. The wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. It's a pretty heavy statement. And then what begins to happen when you move on into verse 6 and you read all the way through verse 27, you begin to realize that the prophecy that God gave them in the very beginning was fulfilled. The prophecy that you read about in the very beginning of chapter 6, the prophecy that I just read to you was literally fulfilled in the next 20 verses. Here's the thing that's important. If I'm Joshua, 
and then being told to march around what may be one of the most powerful Canaanite cities in existence, right? I would hesitate to do so because doing so would get me killed. Doing so would get my men killed. Doing so would be understood to have been a suicide mission, except for one fact. Joshua didn't forget the original prophetic word that God had given him. In verse 9 of chapter 1, where he basically said, I am going to be with you. Wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. You understand why understanding the whole picture makes a much larger difference here? I think that when God tells us that he's going to be with us, there is no need to fear because God has established his perfect record, hasn't he? Everything he has said he's going to do, he has done. And when we know the word of God has been given to us, then we can walk courageously forward in understanding what God has said in knowing full well that God will bring it to pass. By the way, I can tell you this, and this is from a personal experience as I shared in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. My life has been driven by parents who understood God's prophetic word and not only understood his prophetic word given to them through the scriptures, but also understood the promises of God and acted on those promises to watch miraculous things happen. My whole life I watched that in my parents. My whole life I listened to parents, my parents tell me stories that were so uniquely and remarkably miraculous. But yet to me, it didn't seem all that miraculous. To me, it seemed like it was common everyday stuff. It seemed like something that was just, uh, it's what you're supposed to see happen. It's just the way it was. When my dad told me the story of getting in a car accident while ministering in the Middle East and waking up in a missionary hospital where my mom was his nurse. They didn't know each other. But the moment my dad opened his eyes from a state of unconsciousness, he looked upon my mom and knew that my mom was the woman that God had called him to marry. It was an instant word from God. That is the woman that you are called to marry. My dad didn't waste any time and told her immediately. My mom said, well, God's got my number, so get lost. It took her a week to, to discern that. And a week later, they both realized the call that God had placed upon them to come together. And they got married less than a year later, only to realize that it was so much the word of God that God has blessed not only their generation, but bless the generation after them and the generation after them because of God's grace and because of God's goodness and the story of the powerful word of God being communicated through a generation of people who took a step of faith, understanding God's prophetic word and never looking back is a story that will carry on as a legacy in my family until the Lord comes back. It's really funny, the story about my mom and my dad and how they came together. I think it's even more funny that in the midst of ministry. My dad could reasonably argue that he was in the midst of ministry when the Lord had called him to marry my mom. He was almost killed in an accident and he woke up and saw my mom. I was in the midst of ministry. I literally walked out to this very position on a Sunday night and saw my wife, who was not my wife at the time. She was a woman I had never met or seen sitting out there on the chairs and God telling me immediately without hesitation that is the woman you're going to marry literally it was not long it was not long at all maybe a total of 10 minutes of talking where I just basically told her the word that the Lord had given me and 
after I went and spoke to all of her relatives to get their blessing and get their permission, knowing that God had called me to do so, I proposed to my wife literally a month later. And we've been married now for seven years and or more than seven years, and it feels like we've been married for 25 years. Not in a bad way, but in a good way. Because what God told me was true. And the funny thing about it is people freak out and they think, what a crazy story. Like, that just sounds crazy to me. It, it, it's like, that was the way I, I knew it would always go. It would go something like that. I just knew it because of the way that I was raised. It was handed down to me. Joshua, make no mistake about it, understood the word of God, understood the promises that God had made him. And thus he went forth and did what he did. And that's exactly what happened. Then they're told to go to Ai. You guys remember the story there, right? Very interesting story. This is found all the way in Joshua chapter 7 through Joshua chapter 8. If you remember what God tells Joshua in Joshua chapter 7, he told Joshua how AI should be taken as a land. He made it very clear what should happen, right? And when you get into chapter 7, this is what he says should have happened. He says in verse 1, and this is very, very important. Actually, sorry, chapter 8. He says this. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given into thine hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. And thou shalt do to Ai and her king as thou didst unto Jericho and her king. Only the spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall you take for a prey unto yourselves. Lay thee an ambush for the city behind it. So we know what happened. In the course of the conquest, the Lord instructed Joshua to hold out toward Ai. Right? You remember that story? Hold out toward Ai, the javelin, in the direction of the city, if you remember that. And the verses that follow God's command describe the fall of Ai and Joshua's carrying out the commands of the Lord. If you remember exactly what happened there, now understand, Ai is a powerful demonstration to us, a remarkable demonstration to us of what happens when God is obeyed exactly and as instructed. And what happens when God is not obeyed? What takes place when you don't listen to the word of God? I think it's a very, very important thing to understand. And I think that when we continue to look at God's prophetic word, we have to understand that we do not have, we do not have the luxury of choosing to obey the word of God the way we see it or want to obey it, that we must obey it the way that God tells us to. By the way, in the case of Joshua, when the people in Joshua's command chose not to obey God the way God had specifically told them to, it cost the lives of many, 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 many people. It cost the, lo the loss of a lot of lives. And you can read about that in chapter 7 of Joshua. The point behind it is what we learn from, especially in the precedent given to us from the context of Bible prophecy, God has given us his word to be followed exactly. And when we choose not to follow his word exactly, the mistakes come. The destruction happens, right? Then we look at the prophecy at Gibeon. If you look at Joshua chapter 10, it tells us that story. And by the way, the story there in Gibeon is a very interesting one. Remember, when Israel failed to inquire of the Lord, they were deceived into a covenant with Gibeon. You guys remember this story? I don't have the time to go over into all of the details, 
But the enemies of the Gibeonites attacked Gibeon with the result that Joshua had to march against Gibeon's armies because he gave the word to them. And that was a terrible, terrible thing that the nation of Israel had to do. Yet God in his mercy and his grace, in verse 8 of Joshua chapter 10, actually says, do not be afraid. I've given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. That's what he says. Those are the exact words. Again, the scriptures that followed in that chapter record the fulfillment of that very prophecy. By the way, isn't it funny how a lot of people will look at God telling somebody like Joshua, hey, go do this and I'll be with you. They don't see that as a prophecy, right? They don't. They act, this is, these are words that they don't consider to be prophetic words when in reality they were totally prophetic words, weren't they? God said, do this and I'll be with you. What would give Joshua any type of inclination that it would be wise to go against an army that could totally kill him? Monsters that could totally kill them. But God said, no, go, I'll go with you. It's pretty awesome when God tells you to go and he says he's going to go with you. You get to watch these defeats happen the way that they happen. I was uh, part of a discussion recently with a group of people who are uh, pretty smart analysts when it comes to geopolitics and uh, people that kind of, uh, they really do know what they're doing. They're well-known people. And, and I was getting openly mocked by folks as into my stand concerning what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. And everybody says, a lot of people were saying back then, I think people are beginning to see the light now. How in the world can you say that Russia is going to prevail? Russia doesn't have a chance. NATO is getting involved. This person's getting involved. That person is getting involved. You know how much money we're putting into Ukraine? There's no way in the world that Russia is going to stand. And I just kept saying it. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Ukraine doesn't have a chance. There's no way in the world Russia walks away from this tarnished. There's no way in the world that Russia is not going to be able to defeat Ukraine in this context. And people get mad. They get enraged. Look at how much money we've spent over there. Maybe we should take one-tenth of the money we spent in Ukraine and shore up our borders, and we'd probably have a better and safer country to be living in right now. We wouldn't have the amount of child exploitation and fentanyl abuse and all the other crazy things that are going on. But the reality of it is, I didn't say it for that reason. I simply said it for the reason that if you knew what the Bible said, and if you understood the biblically prophetic word being given to what we should expect in the future, you know that the only real major superpower that will exist during that time is going to be Russia and they're going to come with a conglomerate of nations against Israel and nobody will be able to defend Israel including Israel herself God will have to be the one that will come in and defend Israel as we read about in Ezekiel 39 if you know what God's word says concerning these issues you can stand in confidence that you're going to be on the right side of history because guess what folks God never gets it wrong he never gets it wrong then when you get into chapter 11 of Joshua, he talks about the kings of the north of the land who conspired to attack Israel. And God makes a promise regarding that very issue. God makes it clear. Chapter 11. And when these things were met together, they came and pitched together at the masters of Merom to fight against Israel. Notice this in verse 6. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Be not afraid because of them, for tomorrow about this time, notice this, I will deliver them up, all slain before Israel. Thou shalt, what? Hew their horses and burn their chariots. That was the command that was given. The summary of the conquest of Joshua was recorded, fulfilling the promise that God had given to them in Joshua 1. Think about that, folks. The destruction of the northern kings happened. It took place. This is so crazy when you think about it. Let me focus you in 
on Joshua chapter 21. Let's just skip over there for just a second. Let's go to Joshua chapter 21 and let's look at verses 43 through 45 because we need to move on to Judges. But I want to read 43 through 45 to you because I think that the significance of what you're about to read makes very, very important sense and should make important sense. Look at what it says. Now we're going to start reading here at verse 43. And it says this. And the Lord, now pay attention to this. This is critical, right? This is for later context. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he swore to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. Notice this. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he swore unto their fathers, and there stood not a man of all of their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Verse 45, and there failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel all came to pass. And that's very important to understand because what that means to us is that the Lord had not failed to keep his promise even though Israel had failed by faith to conquer the land. You think about that for a second. God still kept his promise. It's interesting how that works when you begin to look at Bible prophecy in context of the amillennialist view, right? How amillennialists actually uh, will actually state something completely different with respect to the promise that God had made to Abraham, thinking that in essence we are already in that millennial reign, which is just a, it's a crazy way of thinking, but it all goes back to their fundamental misappropriation of what they read in passages like Joshua, where the Bible gives us a picture of God's complete word, right? What they actually say is that this was a fulfilled promise in the future happening at in the moment right now, saying that it applies to our time when God said no. That was something that was completed to Joshua in his lifetime given to him. It's amazing when you think about this, right? Very, very interesting. But without a scriptural foundation, you're never going to understand the future possession of the land because the children of Israel didn't completely possess all the land. By the way, for those of you that are interested in noting this, we can find all of this being recorded to us in Judges chapter 1 all the way through Judges chapter 2 and 3. It gives us the fact that they didn't com completely bring into what God had designed for them. So when we talk about Israel and possession of the land that God had intended for them, if you know the complete word of God, you'll understand this. It's critically important. It's critically important. You've been listening to Pastor James Cadiz on Light on the Hill and part of our series in the volume of the book. We're going from Genesis to Revelation, emphasizing the many passages pertinent to Bible prophecy. You can access today's study and any part of the series you may have missed online at lightonthehillradio.com or listen to Pastor James through the Light on the Hill app. Are you enjoying Light on the Hill? Send us an email and let us know the station you listen to and what you're getting out of these programs. It means a lot and helps us see what God is doing through the radio and internet ministries. There's a place to contact us at our website, lightonthehillradio.com. If the Lord leads, we'd also appreciate your financial partnership. Each gift that comes in goes straight to the ministry, helping us to get the word of God out on stations and platforms like this one all across the country. Donate online at lightonthehillradio.com or give through the Light on the Hill app.
Have you seen the live shows and daily videos that we release on social media? Many of them relate to Bible prophecy and help understand current events with a biblical worldview. You'll find them at jamescadiz.com. We have a few minutes remaining, so let's see how far we can get in Judges with Pastor James. Now, I want to just explain something about Judges here, because there is one fact that you should know about Judges that's very, very important, and that is this. Judges does a phenomenal job at documenting what happens when the people of God as a nation choose to uplift God's name and the results of that and what happens when they choose to literally ignore his word. It is based on a series of Bible prophecies that were given to the people of God well before the time of the book of Judges. And the promise basically centered around this fact. We went over this when we went over Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers and Exodus. The promise was simple. You obey me, you honor me, I will protect you, grow you, and I will bring you to a place of success. You deny me, you don't listen to me, you forsake me, then I will, in essence, judge you. And it was an ebb and flow. And the book of Judges is a remarkably powerful example to all of us of how God's prophetic word will be established as truth when we simply look at it the way it was designed to be looked at it, and that's literal. Judges gives us this crazy ebb and flow. We, in the book of Judges, we read these remarkable stories of men and women who choose to give their lives to the Lord. And in doing so, God blesses them, blesses them, blesses them, blesses them. They get to the top of the hill and they go, ah, I got this, leave me alone now. And they end up just taking a terrible dump to the ground, right? It's just terrible. And then when they get to the bottom and they're in slavery and they're in bondage and there's all kinds of suffering going on, what happens? Oh God, God, we need you, save us, Lord. And then God does what? He restores them back. And then when they get back into their practice of blessing and all of that, they forget their, uh, the things that God had told them to do and they go right back to wickedness. And God would do what? God would do exactly what he promised that he would do. Exactly that. After, by the way, you can read this to your all-millennial friends if any of you have them. I have lots of all-millennial friends, by the way, that are really smart Bible teachers and smart Bible scholars, except when they get to this stuff. It kind of, they get weird. But read this passage to them, especially those people that, you know, hide behind the auspice of Calvinism and say that there is no real biblically prophetic relevance in so much of what we're reading. Read this, Judges chapter 1. Let's read the core of it. And by the way, it's very, very interesting. This again gives us biblical insight for the prophetic utterances given to understand the establishment of the rest of the precedent set by the lives and the stories founded in the book of Judges. It says, Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? That means that there were still conquests that need to be had, right? There were still wars that had to be fought. And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And Judah came unto Simeon, his brother, come up with me uh, into my lot that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with thee into thy lot. And Simeon went with them. And Judah went up and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the uh, Perizzites into their hand. And they slew uh, of them in uh, Bezek 10,000 men. And they found Adonai Bezek 
and Bezek, and they fought against him, and they slew the Canaanites and the Perizzites. But Adonai and Bezek fled, uh, and they pursued after him, and caught him, and cut off his thumbs with his and his great toes. And Adonizek said, Three score and ten kings, having their thumbs and their great toes cut off, gathered their meat under my table, as I have done, so God hath required it of me. And they brought him unto Jerusalem, and there he died. Looking at the last verse here, verse 8, that we're reading. Now the children of Judah had fought against Jerusalem and had taken it and smitten it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. And they go on and on and on talking about the different conquests and the things that are going on. But understand that their conquest, note this, right, was a destruction of Jerusalem. Why? Because Jerusalem was not a Jewish city at that point. Right? Jerusalem was not in their possession. Very interesting thing to think about this, guys. Think about the biblical precedent that's being established. By the way, I want to put uh, ingrained within your mind and your heart that very fact about Jerusalem being overtaken and actually being burned down because this will become very relevant when we start getting into some of the things that we discuss in First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, when we start getting into Daniel and some of the other po uh, poetic books, this very fact is going to become unique in you understanding it. Again, the more you know about the Bible in its totality, the easier it will be to understand Bible prophecy because it will all come together like a big radical, massive puzzle. We'll come back to Judges next time on Light on the Hill with Pastor James Cadiz, a presentation of Calvary Chapel Signal Hill. Thanks for listening. I have found that peace only comes from you. I have found that joy only comes from you. Cause all I need is